Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church, whether you're streaming with us online or here, or maybe this is your first time here, man. I appreciate you so much being with us and, and giving us some time from your week. So we are in a series right now called Hidden Realities. And what we're looking at in this series is the hidden realities of the spiritual world. And we know that the spiritual world is just as real and just as present as the physical world that we live in. And so if you're with us the first week, we looked at kind of an overview of the spiritual world, some of the tools, the the weapons we have available to us when we face spiritual warfare. Uh, And we're doing a series not to freak anybody out, but to be prepared, right? And we looked at our enemy, Satan. And we're going to talk more about that today when we look at demons. And then if you were with us last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit, the hidden realities of the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit's the part of God that lives in us, right? God, the Holy Spirit lives in us after we invite Christ into our life. And it's it's how we relate to God and it's how we hear from God. And the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and directs us all through our lives. And so today what I want to look at is I want to look at demons, the followers of Satan. And I want to start by looking at a story in the book of Mark. And this is just kind of to give us an idea of what demons are, what they can potentially do, what they're all about, and then we'll go from there. And everybody at the first service said, you know, it's evident that there's demons because we had all these technical difficulties the first service. We couldn't get the scripture verses to come up. It was, it was pretty crazy. But anyway, let's look at this story and then we'll talk a little bit about demons. And again, it's not to freak anybody out. It's not to scare them. But what are we up against? What is the reality uh, of the hidden world? So we're in Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 13. And if you want to follow along, you can scan that QR code or download the Church Center app or online. You know how to access or the host will send you a link. But it says this, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was some distance away, the man saw him ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirit begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. 
there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. And so Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pig, pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Now, interesting. Why did Jesus send these evil spirits into pigs? Because there weren't any cats around, all right? If there would have been cats around, that would have been Jesus's preferred method. Okay, I'm kidding. Cat people do not write me. But we see the absolute strength of this demon, these evil spirits. This man's possessed. Jesus clears these evil spirits from this man into the pigs. They go off the bank. They die. They drown in the water. But it shows us just how powerful a demonic force can be or a demon can be. I mean, nothing could control this man, the scripture says. No amount of chains, no amount of shackles. I mean, can you imagine? He would just break the chains free from him. Nothing could contain him. So I think the first thing we have to realize is it's not just Satan in the hidden realities of the spiritual world, right, that we're dealing with. It's also Satan's followers, his demons. It's all the forces of darkness that are against us, that are against anything that has to do with God. And a lot of people are like, well, where do demons even come from? And that kind of begs another question, where did Satan even come from? And I think that's kind of a good place for us to start today. And, you know, then we'll look at, you know, what's the end goal of the forces of darkness? So those of you that are really thinking today and, and you're on your toes, you're thinking, okay, where did Satan come from? Where did demons come from? Well, didn't God create everything, right? And if God created everything, does that mean that God created Satan? And if God created Satan, doesn't that mean that God created evil? And what we need to realize and understand is that Satan has not always been evil, right? If you go back and look and read in the scripture, Satan originally was an angel, Satan was actually one of God's best and most beautiful angels. If you read the King James Version of the Scripture, or the New King James Version, uh, this angel's name was Lucifer. And he was the brightest and one of the brightest and the beautifulest angels that God had. Even referred to in the Scripture as a morning star. Now, those of you that are up on the Bible and know theology really well, you're like, well, wait a minute, wasn't Jesus also referred to as the morning star? And that's true. So Satan is called a morning star. Jesus is the morning star. And I like to think about that as Satan's always a counterfeit, right? He's always pretending to be like God or to be God, but he's a fake. And Jesus is the real thing. God's the real thing. But here's what happened. So jealousy creeps in to Lucifer, this angel, and he becomes jealous of God. And he decides, I want to be like God. And then you can jump over and look in the book of Isaiah, and you can see recorded for us are these statements that Lucifer made, or now referred to as Satan or the devil, the evil one. But 
he makes these statements desiring to be just like God. So let's look at that. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And God's like, "Um, no, you won't, right? There's only one God. Nobody can be like God, so God cast him out of heaven. But what happened is a third of the angels followed Satan. Now, some people think that that third of the angels that followed Satan and were cast out of heaven became drivers that don't use their turn signals. But that's not accurate, all right? They became these demons that we're talking about, the principles of darkness. You can also read about this in Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9. So let's look at that. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one, who de- the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. So you see, when Satan wanted to be like God, God cast him out of heaven, where? Down to earth, where you and I reside. That's why we have spiritual warfare. That's why we have evil. It's not the only reason. That's why we have evil and darkness that we have to contend with now. But as I kind of warned us the first week, I don't want anybody, you know, getting overly zealous and thinking, well, every bad thing that happens is because of a demon. No, not necessarily. Let's say you go after the service to pick your kids up from the kids ministry and driving home, they are terrible. They won't listen. They're acting up. It doesn't mean that you need to stop the car and cast a demon out of your kid, all right? It may just mean they stayed up too late last night, right? Or they had a sleepover. They're the worst. Or it could be that the kids' ministry pumped them full of sugar and then sent them home with you like we often do. They may just need a nap, all right? But not every bad thing that happens is the result of demons. So let's look at what demons can do typically what they may do, you know, kind of some patterns in the reality of them. So if you're taking notes, here's learning number one. Demons often try to corrupt people in positions of authority, right? You see this all throughout history, all throughout the world. In the forces of darkness, Satan and his demons, what do they desire? They desire for the entire world to be lost, to not know who God is. So if you think about it, if demons and and forces of darkness want to have the greatest impact, who do you go after? You go after people in positions of influence, right? Go after leadership. Go after presidents of country, people who are leading other people, even families. Go after the head of that family who's leading that family. I mean, if you want to make a big impact 
and impact the masses, you go after people who are leading the masses. I mean, just look at the news and, and what goes on all over the world. There's some really dark places in this world. Just look at our news. There's darkness in our country. And there could be dark forces or demonic forces at work in a lot of that darkness, especially when it comes to leaders and influencers in the world. You look at some of the decisions leaders in the world are making today, and it's horrific what they're doing to people, right? So there's evidence of this in our culture, but if you go back and look at the scripture, there's examples of leadership being influenced by evil, right? Leadership being influenced by demons. And so we're going to jump back to a verse we looked at week one in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. And that's not a good prince, okay? Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. That's an evil spirit, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, week one, we looked at this verse just to show us how powerful and how real spiritual warfare is. But this spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia is so strong, he's able to hold off God's angels. And just by the title, Spirit Prince of the Kingdom of Persia. If you think about it, you know, Israel was under uh, oppression from Persia, right? They had control of Israel. So I'm sure this evil spirit wanted to continue to keep Israel at bay and under Persian rule, right? Because again, what is Satan's goal? What are his demons' goal? To kill, steal, and destroy. Anything that has to do with God. And so just simply by the title that God gives us through his word is this spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia probably had a lot of influence on the leadership in ancient Persia. And then if you start thinking about it today, where is modern day Persia today? I know I didn't do good in geography either. I had to look it up. It's in Iran. Does Iran have a great neighborly relationship with Israel? No. Still the same thing. So is this spirit prince of Persia still at work? I don't know. But it's evident that there was leadership that was being influenced, just like today, of demonic forces. And, you know, when you look throughout history, when you look throughout world history and you think about some of the most horrific events that have happened in the world, there's certainly evidence of demonic influence on leadership. Right? Think about Hitler and the Nazis and the Holocaust. Go back to the 90s and think about the genocide that went on in Rwanda. Go to Nigeria today and, and see how, in other countries, how Christians are put to death. They're persecuted and executed simply because of their faith. So behind all of these things, there's forces of darkness and there's demons that can be whispered in the ears of leadership to influence them again, to drive them on, off course. 
So you see a pattern kind of in history. That's something demons like to do. Let's influence people in positions of leadership, in positions of authority. What else can demons do? Now, this isn't on your outline, but they can inflict pain and suffering on people. I know, isn't this a cheery talk to have on a Sunday and then send you home in the rain, right? But look at this. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 it's a long verse. At the, through 20, there we go. Thank you, tech team. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So why is this happening? I mean, we see this innocent kid being possessed by this demon, this demon trying to take this child out. And, you know, if demons would do that to a child, what in the world are they willing to do to us, right? To an adult. They want nothing to do with the furthering of God's kingdom. Again, the goal is to kill, steal, and destroy anything that has to do with God. Do you think demons are happy with the fact that you come to church, or you pray for your friends, or you invite your friends, or you're generous, or you minister to others through volunteer. No. Do you think demons are happy with churches that continue to tell other people about Jesus? No. Or people that just love on other people to show them the love of Jesus in their heart? No. Now, there's this myth out there that people think, well, once I give my life to Christ, then Satan leaves me alone. Right? Demons will leave me alone once I give my life to Christ. Listen, nothing could be further from the truth. I, I've told people, you got a big old bullseye on your back now. Yeah, Satan's lost you for all of eternity. You're not going to spend eternity with Satan. But his next goal is to try to make you ineffective. Right? To try to destroy your life, to destroy your character, destroy your witness so that you can't influence anybody else for the good of the message of Jesus, right? So the, you're not going to be left alone. So going to the top, going to leadership, going to authority is a great place that, that demons try to attack people and try to, you know, mess up God's plans. But another great way is like we see in this boy by afflicting pain and suffering. Because think about it. What happens when you and I are in pain and suffering? We get discouraged, don't we? We get down. We kind of doubt God's power 
in God's presence. Hey, God, why are you making this happen to me? And we're not necessarily doing what it is that God wants us to do. We're not fulfilling completely our purpose and the plan that God's created us for. Because we're discouraged. We're, we're, we got pain and suffering. So it's a great way that Satan tries to take us out or one of his demons tries to take us out. Here's something else, learning number two. Demons try to influence our behavior. Right? They know what makes us tick. They know our weaknesses. They know, you know, how to go after those weaknesses. Maybe your weakness is jealousy or, you know, lust or greed or, or gossip or admiration or power, or whatever it is. But Satan will use anything and everything against us to try to lead us astray. And again, to get us off course from where God wants us to be. Anything in our life is fair game in spiritual warfare. Demons don't have rules, and if they did, they wouldn't play by rules. Look at 1 Timothy 4.1. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Again, they want to pull us away from the truth about God. So they'll go for leadership. They'll go to people in positions of influence. They'll inflict pain uh, and suffering. They will try to influence our behavior. Something else they try to do is fill us with fear. Remember we talked about last week, you know, we get all fearful when we're sharing with somebody maybe how Christ changed our life or you're inviting somebody to church or to a concert where they're going to hear about Christ. And we kind of get fearful. Well, what are they going to think about me? What if I say something wrong? What if they ask me a question about the Bible and I don't know the answer? And so we just don't do it. Satan loves that fear because, again, it's not furthering God's kingdom. But fear keeps us from doing what we should be doing in life, right? Often it keeps us from doing things that we should be doing in life. It paralyzes us. Fear does. Think about your own life for a minute. Think about something in your life that you did not do because you had fear. And now you wish you would have done it. You know, you wish you would have gone ahead and, and done it. Maybe you f uh, felt fear that you were going to be embarrassed. You felt that you were going to be singled out. Or you felt fear people were going to laugh at you. Or you were going to be hurt. Or, or fear of trying something new so you just didn't do it. And you missed out right? Fear keeps us from doing things we should do in life. And where does that fear come from? It comes from darkness. It does not come from God. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Go through the Bible and count up the fear nots or do not fears. When God says, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Hundreds and hundreds of fear nots in the Bible. God does not want us to live with fear. It comes from evil. It really does. And you, you may be saying, well, Scott, I don't, you know, I don't have any fears. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Do you worry? That's fear. That's a type of fear. We worry all the time, don't we? 
We worry about our kids. We worry about if we're going to have kids. We worry about our relationship. We worry if we're going to have a relationship. We worry about our finances. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our past. We worry about our future. We worry about our health. We worry about our kids' health. We worry about dying. And then we worry about living. We worry all the time. It's just another subtle way that demonic forces or the, the forces of darkness try to take us out. And it's not what God wants us to live with. He doesn't want us to live with fear. Listen to 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So it doesn't come from God. It's a real spirit. It's an evil spirit, and it comes from Satan. He wants to paralyze us in fear so that we, again, we don't do what we should be doing in life. So how do we battle? How do we, you know, battle against these forces of darkness, against Satan, against, you know, these demons? And we looked at some things last week or the week before, some tools available to us. But I think there's some things we can do to be proactive. And, and here's what I think we can do. One thing I think we can do. Learning number three, I should always take my spiritual enemy seriously. Never take Satan or his demons, his followers lightly. As we read a couple of weeks ago, this battles for keeps. Jude chapter one, verse nine. Very interesting. We're going to talk about Michael again, but even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. Even when Michael was battling against the devil, he didn't trash talk the devil. Ah, you're a punk, devil. You're going to lose. You're a loser. No, he didn't do that. He simply essentially said, you know, the Lord rebuke you, meaning the battle is the Lord's. This battle is the Lord's. And honestly, I don't think we should, and the scripture supports this, we should not mess with things that are evil or even have the potential for evil. I'm talking about things like, you know, card readings and witchcraft and seances and, you know, Ouija boards and things. Anytime we're trying to seek direction or guidance for anywhere other than the Holy Spirit, other than God, we're, we're going down the wrong path. We're just opening ourselves up and we should not do that. We're trying to get direction somewhere other than the Holy Spirit. So don't leave here today and go to a card reader and say, I'm going to go to the card reader and find out if this girl that sits beside me in class thinks I'm hot. She doesn't. So save your money. All right. But the Bible tells us that we shouldn't mess around with darkness. I'm talking about consulting mediums. I don't even think you should read your horoscope. Because again, I think it just opens up another avenue for evil. And we don't need it. We've got a direct line of communication with our Heavenly Father. Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 through 12. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. And do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens 
or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. Again, don't take your enemy lightly. Just don't mess with things that have the potential for darkness. Don't flirt with darkness. Here's something else, learning number four. When I'm in a spiritual battle, I don't fight with my power, but with God's authority, right? Ultimately, the battle truly is his. And there's a big difference in our power and God's strength. Our power is never great enough, but we can fight through the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture tells us. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Now notice Jesus didn't give him give them his power, he gave them his authority. And there was a difference. Because of Jesus, they carried his authority. And then they had his authority and his power to do the things that God had given them the authority to do. Right? So if they, you know, healed someone or cast out an evil spirit, you know, that was through the authority of Christ. The disciples had the backing of Jesus. Right? Think about it like this. Let's say you go out to a restaurant and there's a group of uh, military personnel in there and they're all dressed in uniform and they're obviously on leave. They're having lunch, but they're in uniform. And let's say a civilian comes up to them dressed in shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops and starts yelling at them and telling them to come to attention and get ready for inspection. They're not going to listen to that person. Why? That person has no authority over them right? But if their commanding officer comes in uniform and tells them to get out of their chair and come to attention, what are they going to do? They're going to come to attention because that commanding officer has authority and has further authority behind them that's saying, I've got authority over you. So these disciples carried with them the authority of Jesus to be able to do these things. It was still Jesus's power and Jesus's authority, but it was coming through the disciples. And so we got to remember when we do spiritual battle, we have the authority of Christ. We don't battle in our own power. We don't battle in our own strength, but we battle through the authority of Jesus Christ. So how should we fight? You know, we looked week one at those tools and weapons available to us. We, uh, we talked about truth and righteousness and faith, and peace, and salvation, right? We obviously, you know, we, we can fight with peace knowing we're righteous. We're made righteous through Christ, and our faith is secure, and our salvation, we can't lose that. But that Word of God is oftentimes what we have to battle with. That's why I always say we got to know the truth about God. We need to know the Word of God. Why? Because we can pick out a demon's lies or Satan's lies if we know the truth about God. That's why it's so important. And if you go to the New Testament and you look at Jesus when he was tempted by the devil, he used God's word to battle. 
right? And just to set it up for you real quick, for 40 days and nights, Jesus fasted in the desert. And then Satan comes to Jesus to tempt Jesus. And we know Jesus is hungry. I mean, the Bible tells us he's hungry. And the first thing Satan says to him is, hey, you know, I I know you're hungry. If you're so hungry, why don't you just turn these stones to bread? Listen to the response. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then Satan tempted him again and said, hey, why don't you throw yourself off the edge of this cliff? God's angels will come and catch you. You can prove, you know, you're God's son, whatever. Here's the response. Matthew 4, 7. Jesus responded. The scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. And then if you know the story, Satan comes back a third time. Why? Because Satan's persistent. He's not going to leave you alone either. If he went after Jesus three times, he's going to go after you a lot more. And, And Satan's like, look, you know, everything you see with your eyes, I'll give it to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Satan did have some authority on earth, right? Because when we sinned, we gave Satan that authority. And listen to what Jesus said. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Every time Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus responded with God's word. So we have to rely on God's word and the authority of Christ. That's how we battle anything going on in our life. Last verse I want to look at, James 4, 7 and 8. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. When we humble ourselves to God, in other words, we submit to God through Christ, Satan can't touch us. We can actually resist the devil and he'll flee from us. And I think just like Jesus said, get out of here, Satan, that's enough. When you feel tempted, when you feel under pressure, when you feel under spiritual attack, in the name of Jesus, Satan, get away from me. Leave me alone. Get out of here. That's what that's saying. Satan can't touch us. If we'll resist the devil, he'll flee from us. Can he, you know, tempt you? Yes. Can he accuse you? Yes. Can he make your life miserable? Yes. Can he go after people in leadership and inflict pain and suffering? That's what the scripture tells us. Yes. But he cannot touch you. He cannot do anything with your soul. We battle in the name and the authority and the power of Christ. Even battle against demons, and we can take them out because we have the authority of Christ. So I don't think we have to be freaked out or fearful knowing there's this spiritual world and there's demons and and often we feel like we're, we're pressured by them or attacked by them because we have the strength of Christ. Don't ever forget that. Let's pray together. God, 
first of all, thank you that we don't have to handle anything on our own, that we don't have to battle on our own. We don't have to fight the devil, his demons with our power, but with your authority, God, and with your power. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're in the middle of a battle right now, a spiritual battle. There's a lot going wrong in your life. It seems like nothing's going right. Your relationships aren't working. Your job's not working. Your kids aren't working. Maybe you see things happening to people that you love. Why don't you acknowledge that God's all-powerful? God's with you, and you have the power and the authority of Christ. Why don't you turn that battle over to him? Let him handle it. That's fighting with his power, the strength he gives us, because he'll take anything from us. Lord, help us never to walk in fear. Knowing all through your word, you tell us to fear not, to have no fear. That when we start to get scared and we start to get fear, fearful, to remember that that's not coming from you. And that we can pray to you, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Lord, we all have fears that come up inside of us. Help us to remember. You'll take those away. Lord, help us to, to fight with your authority. Lord, we pray for people who are struggling, who are down, who are hurt. Lord, people who are in the midst of spiritual battles right now, that you would strengthen them that you would remind them that you'll fight the battle for them and they don't have to worry. I thank you for this church. Thank you for the churches in our community and the world that continue to tell others about you. God, we pray that you would continue to fight in battle and not give up on anybody that doesn't know you. You continue to call them until they come to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we finish up, I want to encourage you to fill out a connection card. You can access it through the Church Center app, through that QR code. If you're worshiping through generosity, you can do that in the black boxes or better yet, online. Thank you for what you do week in, week out. We could never do what God calls us to do without you guys. I hope you have a great week and a great afternoon, and I hope you'll come back and join us next Sunday as we continue in our series, Hidden Realities. God bless you guys.